that feeling of just slowing it down and breath. And I think that, like, how often do we do that with human beings? Just mm. really look at them and breathe at the same rate that they're breathing and getting that. It is, it, you, it's, it's a very powerful connecting force. Yeah. So true. You are entering the Age Rebels Revolution. The intelligent podcast for over 40s who want to live their best life and defy your numbers. We are your hosts, Summer Bentley and Isaac Xavier. Come on in. Today we are in conversation with Luke Bailey. Luke and his wife Melissa were at the pinnacle of their advertising careers in New York when they were faced with a situation that no parent would ever want to experience. They had a child who was a victim of malpractice, leaving her with severe cerebral palsy. Although their daughter was blind, deaf, paralyzed, and unable to speak, she ended up having a profound effect on their lives. I've asked Luke to share the gifts of wisdom he learned on this amazing 10-year journey with their daughter, Jade. This incredible story takes us from New York to Los Angeles and then to Bali. There is a sacred moment on the top of Mount Everest and other amazingly magical moments that we can all learn from. I asked Luke to come on our show and share this deeply personal story as it had such a profound effect on my own perceptions of life and death and so much more. Luke, though at times this journey of Jade's life, although harrowing and heart-wrenching, you have also described it as the most enriching and transformational time of your life. Please tell us more. Thanks for that, Isaac. Before I kind of jump into it, let me say to both of you, thank you for the invitation today. Thank you for setting up a space where real conversations can take place. I appreciate it and I appreciate the invitation and my intention here is just to offer my story and we'll hopefully people might pick up a few things that might be relevant to where they are. Yes, the journey with Jade was an extraordinary one and was an enriching one. And why do I say that? Well, let's maybe start at the start. Yeah. And then we'll jump around a bit. That Melissa and I were living in New York at the time. We were in the full chaotic momentum of New York City advertising life, tight deadlines, late nights, but also living a, an amazing kind of life that was very kind of rich and full of experiences. And then we made the big leap of committing to one another and getting married. And we went to Berlin, got married, and then the next big commitment of having a child and I could say for me personally, it was, a, it was a scary leap to make knowing that it was going to be such a big commitment. Mm. And of course, at that stage, not knowing what was to come. And then having Jade and being there and you, you kind of, you're there with that dream of, oh, okay, what's going to happen? And you're there at the hospital. And in a moment, you're in, I was in this surreal place of, They've rushed Mel away and they're having an emergency C-section. And I remember a moment that I was sitting outside the operating theatre and I was told that we're doing our best 
We don't think your child will make it and we're doing the best with your wife. And I'm there in this space and it was almost this surreal space of going, there was part of me that knew I am now in a divine storm. Life has changed right now. And from then, from the weeks that followed of slowly learning, because you don't learn straight away that your child is blind. Your child is deaf. Your child will not be able to be fed the normal way. And just recognizing one by one of what you thought maybe wasn't in the absolute depths of uncertainty. And that was just on the fundamental core thing of this is your child and you as a parent. Never mind the other bits of, well, what does that mean? Medically, what does that mean? What does that mean for our relationship? How does this work practically? Yeah. Is she in an intensive care ward for the rest of her life? Is that what that, this means? How long is she going to, is she, is she going to live? And if so, for how long? And, and, and what's going to happen to us? This isn't, this isn't what we thought we would sign up for. Yeah. This is our worst nightmare, literally our worst nightmare. We are living it. And I can say with some sense of openness but also kind of shame, I can remember there was a time early on where Mel and I were in just darkness that the thought considered to us that can we endure this it is so painful, and maybe the best way out is to take ourselves out with our daughter. Yeah. That makes sense to me, yeah. that that is a thought process that would happen in that divine storm. Because the mind steps in, and it doesn't know a way out. But thankfully, <laughs> that's, not where we, that's not where we end. It was dark, and sometimes you just got to laugh at just how dark it was. And I can remember sometime later, my beautiful, beautiful wife, Melissa, such a gorgeous, strong soul. I can remember she turned to me one night and she said, do you know what we've got to do? And I said, what? And she said, we've got to bring Jade home. And at this stage, Jade was living in, in, in an institute. And I said, babe, if we brought Jade home, that's we're running an intensive care ward for, from home. How do we do that when we've both got these yeah. Intense jobs in Manhattan. How do we do this? And she said, I don't know, but I do know, even though she's got amazing care where she is, the love is at home. Yeah. So let's find a way. And we're there in Brooklyn, and just the scene is that when we decided to bring her home, it was this tough area of Brooklyn at that stage, but the neighborhood had heard the news. And they put all these yellow w- ribbons around the trees. Oh, wow. To welcome us. And that community helped. We no longer became invisible. We were visible. And Jade was there. And we'd walk around the blocks and they'd say, hi, Jade. Hi, Jade. And any differences they might have had with us as being the new yuppies on the block and we've been here for a long time, it all faded. They could tell that we had a challenge and they welcomed us and community's important and that made a difference. And 
but it was still tough. Yeah. Tough. Tough. And we were battling to kind of go on to make it something that was really good rather than just how could we thrive in this rather than survive it? Yeah. Is there a possibility to, to make this amazing? And one thing that we decided, you know, with the New York winters was imagine if we created this sanctuary for her in the sun. Imagine if she had therapy every day under the sun and we just created this magical space for her. So bigger than the home, bigger than that. And it didn't, didn't make sense. And when we kind of mentioned this to doctors and others, they would say, I remember doctors saying, you are chasing a fool's dream. Is rationally it was. Yeah. Being, she's got the best care in the world. Why would you take her away from that to, because of the weather, which you can't even medically prove that she was, how much of that was she cognizant of? Yeah. But it felt intuitively that's what love would do. And sometimes I think that it's important to sit with that question, what would love do? That's such a potent question. And sometimes it's, it's something beyond the mind. Something it's often it's beyond your comfort zones. Often I think that if you're talking about real love, real love isn't easy, it's not comfortable, and it takes real courage. And I think that one of the proudest moments I've had in our life, if you'd imagine that doctors have said, listen, if you, you can't take her to LA by ambulance, and if you put her in a plane, there could be respiratory issues and she's fragile. Mm. That's a big call. It's like, are you willing to risk the life of your child, your lives, because if it doesn't work out, they're going to they're be looking at you, when you've got all you kind of need in some ways here? Are you all in <laughs> on love? If you really love this podcast, go ahead and leave us a really positive review. We get so much feedback every week about how much people love the episodes. So if you love it too, please go ahead and give us a review. You said to me when we had a conversation a while ago that you said, my mind isn't going to get me through this. Well, there was nothing that the mind could have kept it to some degree you're going to survive this and you would have been good. And, and everyone said, you guys were really good. But we weren't answerable to others. In the end, I think the thing that prompted us there, well, I can remember we sat on the stairs in Brooklyn in front of our townhouse and we were crying because the oxygen had been delivered in LA and it was, and it looked like it was a stretch too far. But the thing is that we said, no, 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 we're going to keep going. And the reason why is when Jade passes, the only question that is going to matter is what were you prepared to do to really love me? Did you, did you fall short? Did you, were you willing to come out of your comfort zone? And if you can look her in the eyes and say, we, we swung for the fences and we might have even, and even if you made, you know, a mistake in somewhat you can live with that rather than you know deep down that you got scared and you stopped. Mm. Yeah. And, but what I want to say is 
Was it terrifying? Yes. And was it real, the terror? Yeah. Jade. Jade, when she hit the tarmac shortly after in LA, she had to go to the hospital mm. for the respiratory We could have lost her. But if someone said, but, yeah, but was there anything other than your own just blind faith, there was something that also gave us a prompt, and I'd like to share that. Mel and I called Jade our little Buddha. And we'd bought this house, even that was, people would say, guys, you're out of your mind. You were meant to buy a place that was set up for a handicapped child, had all the stuff. You bought a, a house that was a complete doer-upper. It barely had electricity. It needed so much work. Why would you buy such a crazy house? We go, I wasn't really about the house. What do you mean it wasn't about the house? Oh, well, there was this amazing tree in the backyard. What are you talking about? There was a tree that had been a victim of a, a storm and it was a huge tree and it was fallen in the backyard and we saw it and we felt it and we thought, that is the spot that we create the sanctuary. That's where we, our little Buddha belongs under that tree. That's where she goes. Didn't make sense, but on another level, it did. So what life gave us, when we made that decision, Mel said, oh, I'm, after we literally a moment later, she said, oh, I'm going into the city. I said, what for? She said, I'm going to find some wallpaper because I want to do Jade's bathroom. I want to make it beautiful. I said, great. Mm. I got on the phone to the builders said, listen, we're, we're coming on Monday. Um, make sure you get the bathroom ready, Mel's. When you do it, you need to elevate the roof. He elevated the roof. He called back. He says, guess what? I go, what? And he goes, I elevated the roof. There's this 100-year-old wallpaper from the original thing. It is beautiful. I said, oh, great. Is it, is it worth you staying there? He said, yeah. I said, send me a picture. The picture was a little Buddha under a tree oh. over and over and over oh, and over and over no. again. Wow. And that was life as it does. If you put yourself right out there yeah. and you're open, it'll give you a sign to say, you're not alone in all of this. You're not. Keep going. Yeah. And that tree was a powerful vehicle for it. We had so many celebrations when Jade was alive with our friends and the tree. There was literally, there was concerts up in that tree. Jade, at the end of her life, when the hospital said, listen, bring your family. And we said, no, we're taking her home. And they said, once again, you could tell that they thought you're out of your mind. She might die in the ambulance. But she ended up passing under that tree in oh, her arms. Wow. And was it a sunny day? It was a beautiful day. Mm. And we'd woken up. We, she survived the night and we got on Facebook Live and we said, friends, family, outdoors. Open our hearts, open. Let's celebrate this day. Let's live this day. And let's be open to this day. And they came around and there was music and food. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense. Your child's dying. But it don't because the thing is that I think, particularly in this Western culture, is death is part of life. Mm -hmm. And we see it as kind of like there's the good stuff, life, and then there's the bad stuff. So, no, 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 no. They coexist. And when we're open to it and we accept all of it, we're open to all of the experience of life and it frees the whole thing. But if we have this huge wall to basically a huge section of it, then we're, we're having a pretty awkward dance with life because we have this fear of death where 
when we go to our back garden and we see all these things, we just accept, oh, that's living, that's beautiful, and then the season that's kind of going, and then there's new growth. We accept all that, and we just love it all. We don't sit there and have all these fearful, oh, my God, that died, there's something wrong. It's like, no, 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 that, that's life. And we had the gift of Jada's, we had 10 years with her to really look at life differently and kind of go, what, how do you want to see this? How do you want to experience this intense experience? How do you want to see this? And the reason why I share it is, is like this made a difference, being open and, and recognising the strength of her spirit and recognising there was something there that she was giving us that I don't think that we could have got from another child because they would have been in their own mind and living the normal experience. Mm. You, in some ways, I do believe, was, was pure spirit. Mm. There is a concept that I have a, a younger brother with an intellectual disability, certainly functional, et cetera, but it did help to reframe my view on the world and I decided that some souls come in with limited capacity just to either allow us to experience something or to simplify their experience here based on their spirit. And I found a lot of comfort in that philosophy. What do you feel in reference to that? Does, is there truth in that for you or did you f- learn another version? No, I mean, there were many aspects of it, but if, if I reflect on it, I think absolutely the being thrown for me being thrown in the deep end and having to know that my mind wasn't going to get through so to tap into a piece that I was cultivating a bit before I was on my own kind of you know along the way I'd had some strong spiritual experiences and this allowed me to really kind of go well let's really put this to work and I think that for Mel you know I think that I've always enjoyed the gift of communication and public speaking and stuff, but Mel is more of a, a creator and seeing her creativity come to life in the space that she created for Jade in knocking walls down the home and just doing extraordinary things. Like if you'd seen the space, she she literally knocked down five walls and, and was on her hands and knees and created this incredible colourful tile mosaic and the backyard and all that kind of stuff. And that was her way of bringing this kind of love to the space. Mm. And I'm not quite sure that that would have happened without Jade. And to me, I believe that she reflected back to us these parts of us in a, in a beautiful way and allowed us to do it a bit differently. And to me, personally, I've always kind of, it's, it's had a powerful influence on my, on my life in not trying to control life now as much, just trying to be open to it and to surrender to it. And that's, you know, a lot of people say, like, why, why are you always in white? It's because of the day after Jade past it to me really came across as this thing of surrender and the way that I want to honour her is but she lived for ten years. For ten years I will I choose to wear white. It's an it's an easy and simple thing. It's just mm. to, to remind me of this gift of s- surrender. And it's I think it's interesting that even the colour white is is it's all colours. 
Yeah. And that's the thing is, is I think that that thing of embracing all of life and not having this prejudice against these, when we get uncomfortable, we kind of have this judgment and against ourselves and against the feelings of sadness and anger and stuff. No, no, no. It is not comfortable, but it's okay. It is, it is life and we're going to be okay. Mm. We're going to be okay. And the more we can embrace it, actually, we can be better than okay. We can be, this can be amazing. With Jade, how did you communicate with her, knowing that she blind, deaf, paralysed, couldn't eat properly or through her mouth? There were different ways in that, of course, there would be us, you would see us communicating like we would be talking as, you know, some people would be talking to their, you know, one-year-old child and you'd say, yeah, but the child can't communicate back to you. What are you doing? She's not understanding the language. So you, you can't help but do that. But if the real question was like, Luke, how do you feel that you was your most powerful vehicle of connection. Mm. If that's the question, I'd say for me the breakthrough was breath. Being with her and holding her, slowing, getting out of my mind, slowing down and breathing with her. And I found the more that you sit with her and breathe with her, the more it just opened up to feeling this is more and more, this is comfortable, this is okay, this is, this is beautiful. And I just kind of had this little kind of game where because she had a heart meter and kind of thinking the more if I breath, does it have an effect on her heart rate and seeing that calm. And that thing, like one of the, the things that I think was a really beautiful thing of connection is that um, the Make-A-Wish Foundation came to us and they said, you know, your child, we hear that she's, she won't be, you know, living a long time and so we're here. So you can have a wish, what would you like for her? And normally they've got like, oh, you can go meet celebrities in Disneyland mm. and stuff. And we kind of, Mel and I really thought about it. And um, at the time we really wanted her to have more aquatherapy, but it was difficult to get to places. And that day there was hygienic issues and all types of stuff. Yeah. And so we said we'd like help with a therapy pool, small therapy pool with lots of jets and stuff. And, you know, magnificently they did. And But the thing which to me was the powerful piece in it is that you could stand in this pool and Jade would be floating above it. And so you could go cheek to cheek and be standing there just holding as she's just completely surrendered to the whole experience in this warm water. Mm. And there wow. was just this feeling. And to me, that thing, it sounds strange, but that, that pool became to me such a beautiful place because it was those feelings. But sometimes when we go too much, because you could heat it up, I would just lie under the stars. Under the, we had it under the tree, of course, and I'd just lie under the stars at night time and just... Surrender the whole thing and just kind of go, that's that feeling of just slowing it down and breath. And I think that, like, how often do we do that with human beings? Just mm. really look at them and breathe at the same rate that they're breathing and getting that. It is, it, you, it's, it's a very powerful connecting force. Yeah. So true. And what did you feel like she would have been clearly communicating through 
just thoughts, feelings. How did you, what, what happened there as far as the, the connection? What did you feel that she was communicating, especially as she got older? I felt more that um, it would just be that fe- feeling that with Jade, where you met her, that it was very easy, as we all do in life, to get caught up in the doing. What can I do? What can I do? Okay, we're going to do this. And there's certain things you had to do for Jade, lots of things you had to do for her medically. And, you know, she was compromised in the com- complex way and you'd have to do a lot of stuff. Yeah. And you could get caught up and kind of go, oh, I'm being really good because we're, we're doing all this. But the thing that I felt a lot with Jade was not to forget the important part of how are you being with her and how are you being with yourself. Come back to your being. Your beingness is just as important, if not more important, than what are you doing. And that became, at the start, I think, very much I was a good guy like anyone who very much by the to-do list. But the more I went into Jade, it was kind of the to-do list and to-be list. What do I need to be today to really be open to this experience? If you're ready to age young, discover the truth about accessing the fountain of youth and claiming your best ever health, check out our beautiful website at agerebels.com.au where you will find freebies, programs and more. And when we spoke, there was a whole series of synchronistic events that just, I was sitting in the cafe, just tears streaming down my face, just telling you these stories because they're just, they're more than just a, a nice synchronistic story that just have such that confirmation of all of this was not just, oh, a poor handicapped child and a couple of parents having a hard time. This became a love story of a different dimension. I'd love you to share some of these. these oh. Well, one of the ones because you, you mentioned it in the intro, but I want to give context to it, is Mount, the Mount Everest kind of story, is that first of all, I want to give context that during the experience, I think one of our Melanite biggest fear was, are we going to be able to survive her, her passing? We went on to have two other children, but that is going to be, even though we're being as positive as long as we can, because our whole life was very much focused around her. And we knew that that was going to be a, a mammoth void. And, and I think that, you know, I can remember, you know, Mel saying, I don't know. And I think it, in the context too being, I think as a mother, it's a different experience. And I think yeah. Mel was so incredible. She literally just poured her heart and soul into the whole experience and created so much. And she, I think that, who was like, what would life be? And after that, and could I, am I going to be able to get off the ground? Mm. And I didn't know that, what that answer was going to be. And so that also brought fear in me, well, what's that going to be for us and the family mm. and all that? But the amazing thing was that after we brought Jade home and she passed, there was, there was this thing that happened. And Mel, Mel just was literally like Phoenix from the ashes. She just elevated and I could tell, like, Luke, step back. She is going to lead you through this. Wow. You thought it was going to be you, mate. It's going to be she. Just follow her. Follow her. And she was on fire. She was just saying, this is what we're going to do. 
We're gonna we're gonna bring in choirs. We're gonna we're gonna have a Chinese dragon. We we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna sing. We're gonna create the outside. We're gonna create so much love and celebration. We're gonna honor this child like ever. Just just let this be. And as part of it, and so I knew like Luke, just follow follow her lead. This is her divine dance. Just just stay up, Luke. Just let her be. And she had friends around her, but she was the conductor. And she said to me one night, you know, as we then there, she said, oh, "Listen, in the, in the morning, I, I uh, prayer flags. You got to put them up on the tree." And I said, "Yeah, yeah, I'll stick them." And she said, "Around the side of the tree." And she said, "No, no, no, no. You got to put them at the very top of the tree, the very top." I'm like, "Babe, this tree is huge. There's no way I can get to the top of that. There's branches. I'll break my neck. It can't happen." She said, no, 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 it's got to happen because the wind, it's a Buddhist belief, the wind carries the, the spirit and it carries it far, so it's got to be at the top. And just do it. And I wasn't going to go, oh, I'm going to argue. It was, like, it was like, Luke, if you want to honour your wife and your child, you're going to find a way, just whatever it's going to take. Just get a, a crane. It's going to cost you five grand or ten grand or whatever. Get it out the back and just just do it. Just just believe. Like I, And then I wake up. As I literally, I was kind of woken up by like five o'clock, ping, and it just happened to be that Melissa's uncle, a man by the name of Chris Walker, was in Nepal and had heard news of Jade's passing and decided, without any communication or knowing from us, to get some prayer flags. He then had decided and knew an amazing monk, I think it was, a, a mm. man who read the had written the book, the Tibetan book of living and dying, a very highly considered, revered man, uh, Rinpoche, I think his name is, and he blessed those flags. And then between them, I think it was Rinpoche or maybe Chris, or between them, they said, you know what, there's this group that are going up to Everest, let's give them the flags. And so we wake up to the news that Jade's flags, forget your tree, Jade's flags, and we've got photos of that, are on the top of Mount Everest. And her spirit is going to fly high. That's incredible. And there were so many other stories that were just like that. It was like the, the wallpaper story, whatever, that to me they were so beautiful to say, you're not alone in this. Yeah. And I kind of think there's a, there's a meeting point. The more courage you're willing to show, the more you're willing to stretch, the more you're opening an aperture for kind of life to show you another side and, and give you a little sign to say, keep going. You, this, this is good. You, you're not completely out on your own out here. And, and they were pivotal moments that just were very reassuring. I'd love you to tell about the Nick Cave concert that has to be told you are not allowed to leave until you tell that. <laughs> Prisoner till you, till you tell the story. Well, and the reason why I like you, well, I'm compelling you to tell these stories because they just inspire people, especially when people are losing faith and they feel like they're alone and there is only this 3D material world to know that it's not silly confirmation bias. These are synchronistic events that give us faith that there's more. Well, I think that when you're going through a really challenging time, I think it's important to be aware of what I kind of call conscious community. Like, who are the people that keep you 
in a place that where you feel heard and seen and you feel on a similar frequency to yeah. and and know who they are and keep them close. And sometimes they can be friends and but also they can sometimes be musical artists, artists and people. And one of the things that I was aware of that Nick had lost his own child and he'd come to this place where he was talking about surrender. And obviously so that was something that I thought, yeah, I can I get that that you've got to this place of surrender. And uh, and if you hear Nick's voice, I mean, he's so soulful. Yeah. Beautiful. And when we had Jade under the tree, so that we had the day of celebration, people just left and then we had her in our arms in a kind of in a day bed and we had this fire, we had this white Buddha statue and it was just poetic and as the – and a sun literally went down. Jade kind of rose up and randomly on our music, the song Into My Arms, I Lord, played by Nick. And it was such a powerful serenade. Cut to years later. So what did you do after Jade? That must have been challenging after Jade passed. Yes, it was extremely challenging. So you're in a house and it was Jade's place really. And that you'd created for Jade, and so we decided let's let's go back to Bali. That's our most healing place. That's where we met. So we went back to Bali, and then we decided it was time to let go of the house. It was a big decision, as you imagine. Yeah. Oh, so big, so huge. And Mel went back and did a lot of work on the renovating to get rid of his sale and stuff. And she was there for a long time, and then she had to come back. And she was telling me that how challenging it was, and I went and. I think it was such a personal thing for both of us. We had to have our own personal journey. And I remember, you know, on the last day of saying goodbye to the house and dropping to my knees in front of the, the tree particularly and thanking the space and the whole thing, the whole experience. And I went back and, and I was exhausted, emotionally exhausted, physically exhausted, and um, and phone calls. It's Mel from Bali. And she says, um, uh, what are you doing? And I said, Nothing. I just can't wait to get on that plane tomorrow morning, babe. She said, not yet. I said, what do you mean not yet? And she said, oh, you've got to go and you've got to go. Guess he's in town. I said, who? And she said, Nick Cave's in town. I said, oh, what do you mean? She said, Nick Cave's playing in LA. I said, okay, well, what do you want me to do, babe? She said, well, you, he showed up for us in such a beautiful way. You've got to show up and go to the concert. I'm exhausted. But I, I got it. And I said, okay. And I thought, you know what, it'd be good just to hear that song live. And there was a guy that was staying with me at the time and, and I, all the tickets were sold out and then I found two randomly online, of course, and they were nosebleed seats, a huge stadium. And I said, do you want to go? And he said, oh, God, Nick is just, he's my hero. So we went and on the way there I said to him, listen, if the song, you know, my arms comes on, I might get a bit emotional and it's okay. It's okay. It's to do with Jade and don't worry about it. If I fall in a heap, I'll get back up. So don't worry about it. Just giving you a heads up. He says, you know worries. So I went and as soon as Nick started to sing the first song, it was just like, oh, that voice, the stadium, you can feel him. And he came to that song. And hang on, I've got to tell you this as context. Nick had got to a place where he'd so much had believed in this soulful journey and surrender that he began in his concerts to talk to the crowd in between songs, literally allowed them to have a microphone and ask any question they want. Talk about stay open. Yeah. So and cool. and they would give you a mic and light. And so 
of course, did some people do this? Everybody wanted to do it. Are you kidding? I can have yeah. a conversation with Nick. Mm. The song played and I was literally in the nosebleeds and I could just, I have to admit, I just could feel myself like elevating out of my seat. I was just completely, I just wanted to just to feel it fully. And I was like I was floating and stuff and I could remember after thing, I just kind of floated back down in my seat and it was like I was having an antibiotic experience. I just put my arm up and before I knew it, even though there was thousands of other people, the light hit me and a microphone was in my hand. And my mind didn't know what I was going to say, but I stood up and I said, Nicholas Kay, I'm not quite sure. I believe you. And he was all down there dressed in black, looking back at me. He said, man and wine, what is it that you don't believe? And I said, in that song, one of your lyrics says, I don't believe in angels. Is that true as you stand here and give us your heart and soul are you alone in this or is your son with you it's just silence and Nick said yeah actually he is with us it was at a different time he is with us yeah he is with us I do believe he said how about you and I said Nick that's the thing unlike you I've lost my child and I'm not alone I'm not I'm not and he said no the stadium could hear pin drop. He said, that's incredible. And I said, no, Nick, that's not the incredible bit. He said, if that's not incredible, what's more incredible? I said, Nick, when we held our child in her arms, she took her last breath. She was serenaded by a voice to heaven. That was your voice, my friend. It was your voice. And the reason your voice is the voice that it is, is that you have courage to listen to your soul and you express it. And we all gain from it. I can't say, I love you for it. We all love you for it. And I get to stand here and say, thank you, man. You are a beautiful soul and we love you. Keep doing it. <laughs> it was surreal to say the least. What a this, moment. The stadium was just, and I'm thinking, think about it. Just, just feel it, people. What are the chances on that day that saying goodbye to that house on that tree then Nick happens to just randomly down the road. The Luke randomly gets a ticket. Luke randomly thing is Luke randomly puts up his hand, asks that thing. The, like we are talking exactly. such. Uh, it, it's not. It's not logical. It's a no. lot of random. It's a lot of random. <laughs> Way beyond coincidence. Yeah. And yeah, just and 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 I think that that's things. And there's always more. There's always more. And. And, and sometimes that's a thing that stops us because we think this is the place where we are in the moment is the full stop and that's where we're going to be. No, 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 there's an end. If we stay open, there's, there's, there's more, there's more. And a lot of people which I understand, like loss is a painful thing and I've gone through a lot of it. I've, I've lost a twin sister. I've lost another sister to suicide. I've, lost a, I've gone through a lot of loss. My father? And my father recently. Mm-hmm. And But the way that I feel that I honour them is what did they bring to my life that elevated me? Bring more of that into my life. Bring more. more. So, yes, you can be sorry for my loss, but be grateful for my more. Mm. There's more. Yeah. Yeah. And you imagine how many thousands of people had sharing that one moment with you and that interchange between yourself and Nick Cave. You both shared that, we could 
be called a tragedy of losing a child, but how, like you said, that became more. And so you could hear a pin drop. So many people so nourished by that one interchange. It's pretty cool. It is. And, and, and it's, a, you know, to be on my theme of being really open, it is a bit challenging. As you can tell, I don't mind talking and communicating, but it's such a sacred thing, Jage, so sacred. And, and I recognise that with people who, have, who might have lost a child, God bless them. And I don't want them to feel like, hey, I'm projecting that my experience should be something like their experience of us. No, no, no. It's all a very individual experience. I'm just sharing what my experience was. And even for my, for my wife, like, I'm not the mother of Jade. And it must have been such a, a different type of experience. And even though yeah. I am extroverted and I'll, I want to connect and communicate, the way that she's been over to go through this experience of this, you know, by constantly creating and and using her kind of artistic sense to get to that, I mm. think whatever it is, find that thing that gets you through. And sometimes there are times that when we even try all that, that we need support and being able to say, hey, I'd like to be able to kind of go deeper and I'm struggling and I feel like I'm drowning, being not too proud to say, no, no, I need support and that's okay too. That's okay too. I've gone through passages of that when all of it was going on at the same time, when I'd you know, lost a, a twin and still had Jade and two young kids and then the loss of an, another sister yeah. was just, there was a stage there for a little bit where I was like, no, 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 I can't do this on my own. Yeah. I need to get some help. If you love our podcast as much as we love you listening, share it with your friends. And when Melissa sung at the, on the last day, mm. Jade, what did she sing? Hey, Jude, or? She, she think about it. So she's, Mel's exhausted. She's done three or four days. She's, I don't think she hardly slept. Of creating from this other space of the whole thing of the cremation of Jade. I mean, this is, I've got to express mm. some of this stuff. You're talking about, you kind of think, guys, you're, you've got enough on your plate. You've just lost your daughter. You uh, just do the end of life ceremony, right? Like the way that you guys are doing is so beyond, like there's nothing more. But Mel couldn't stop. What do you mean she couldn't stop? Mel's, Jade's coffin was the most incredible piece of art. I mean, it had white doves on it, bunnies, uh, plantation. It was the most, it was a little piece of heaven. And then when, so you, so then when we cremated Jade, the room, which nobody goes into, the, the, the cemetery thought we were literally out of your minds once again. Like, guys, what are you talking about? You're out of your mind. No one goes in there. It's an industrial room. And we're like, no, 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 we're going in there. We are watching her, her coffin go into the fire. Mm. Mm. We're watching that transition, that transformation. And they're like, uh, we don't have people do that. No, but we're doing it. Mm. And then Mel's like, I'm transforming the room. What do you mean? Flowers, plantation, incense, music. It became a sacred experience. Every point along the way, she stepped up to make it a divine, sacred experience for her for our children, for me, and for our friends. 
because we knew that we didn't go through this alone. Yeah. That she wanted to honour this whole situation. So in the end of life celebration, Mel, as I said, is not a friend of the microphone like moi. Mm-hmm. She never had sung publicly. So there was a song, Hey, Hey Jude, which we'd turned into Hey Jade, and Mel sung that song under the tree with everyone singing along. The mother who's just lost the child and sings that song. I mean, you want to talk about courage and grace? You want to of just being open and putting it out there? And, and that's the thing is that I just, the message that I would like, like to keep coming back to that I know is I've been there that when things get tough, and, the, and the, there's so much going on in the world at the moment. It is tough. It's confusing. It's chaotic. It's scary. And we can f- find ourselves kind of closing in and closing into our comfort zone. And there's times for that, mm. and that's great. But there's also times to make sure that am I really looking after my heart, creating s- you know, soul space for myself to be able to listen and, and be gentle with myself and to slow it down to really looking after the, the, the being part of me and creating that space for myself and rituals that really allow myself to kind of come through this in a powerful way. Well, you said something the other day that I thought was really, really quite profound. You said, make your soul the CEO and your mind the general manager. Yeah, because I think that the, our mind, it's, I think that we think well, our mind kind of pretends, listen, I've got this. I know everything, right? And I, I, I know you really well and I know what's best for us. And that's what it tells us. Hey, do this. Oh, don't do this. You should do this or whatever. And so we just kind of listen. Oh, well, we think, what should we do? We think about this. We think about mm-hmm. that. It's natural. That's all we all do. But it's actually really compromising ourselves and whatever's going on to make that the final say because there's part of us, if we're courageous enough to listen and create the space, that knows more of what we're capable of and being allowed like a CEO, I have a vision. I can't tell you exactly how we're going to get there, but I have a vision and an intention for you and help me create it, being able to listen to that. And I was thinking the other day about this and I was thinking the soul, your mind's like a what I'd call a, a haunted heckler. It kind of haunts you from the darkness and it heckles you. It says, oh, you know, I'm not quite sure about that and you can't do that and you kind of listen to it. You go, oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. But your soul whispers so softly. It's like a beautiful old lady in the first row in the audience. So when there's so much noise, not listening, where she's the one saying, doing good just keep dancing just let that go don't worry about them just keep going listen to your beauty and she brings out the magical side of you but you've got to create that space to listen to the the softness of the whisper because life's got so noisy and so busy we we squeeze that out and that's not the way to get to i think the best version of ourselves yeah. magical version yeah. of ourselves. We don't, magical being, we don't know how it happened, but it just, new things were created. And you told me that when you moved up to 
the Gold Coast and you were looking at houses, you wanted a good family home? Yeah, there was, I mean, we've, we've moved around a lot. Mm. Um, but this place in Corumban. Yeah, in Corumban and a beautiful place and you kind of think, oh, is this the one, is this the one, you know, there's so many good things to it, but it was, you kind of thought, oh, maybe it is the one where the guy, the previous owner happened to be a Beatles fan, huge <laughs> Beatles fan, and so there were, there was all the memorabilia and songs and there was a, you know, a hey, uh, Jude thing there, and you kind of thought, "Yep, this is a sign that this is obviously." Hang on, know. that's a, that's a. There's more to it than that. I don't mean just a hate. It was wasn't it the original writing. No, there, there was. I don't know whether what was original and what wasn't. He had absolute mementos that were signed by the the, the Beatles, and there were lyrics, and there were things around to do with that. Now, whether I'm not going to sit here and going to go, I'm sure that that was the original lyrics. It didn't matter to us. It was just like, well, the fact that that place feels right and then you've got some of that, that feels like, guys, that's been a bit of a theme for you because it was actually at Mel's where this most came into play was actually before end of Jay's life, that on Mel's 50th, once again Mel, he's mm. creating space. So hey, it's a 50th, you know what, we should, we're in New York, let's all go out to dinner. Mel's like, no, 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 I want to do something for ourselves, our friends and the nurses. And I'm like, okay. And she said, um, this living room, I want to turn this into something magical. Okay, what are we doing? Uh, we're going to cover the roof and all the walls with cherry blossom. Oh, we're going to turn this into a forest. Okay. We're going to have everyone around. And then um, I've been speaking to one of the nurses, uh, Shirley, and she's going to sing opera. She, she sings opera. Okay. Yeah. Uh, she's going to sing Viva the Rose. And I said, okay. So it's just a magical mm. night. And... And it was then that was the first time Mel had sung public that Mel then thanked everyone and then said, listen, I really would like to thank Jade and we willed her in. And by candlelight, Mel in a silk, beautiful dress, burst into this song with the piano. And once again, it was just, it was beyond. It yeah. was just magical. And to me, the, the thing is, I know that you being more of an introvert, we'd really have to face her fears to put herself out that way. But the way that I think that she did it, she would do anything for Jade, going beyond herself. Mm. If it was just for her, I'm not quite sure she would have done that. But for Jade, yeah, she was constantly like all in. because, And I think that's a mother-daughter is like, there's a power there that is profound. I can relate to that. And there's something that you did that I thought was really cool, just sharing, even though people wouldn't know the origin of it, the heart stickers. Yeah, in that um, that Jade was, for all the reasons I've talked about, was so profound and I was trying to be really open to the whole experience and after we'd had that whole ceremony and with Jade, it was just... It was an incredible feeling and it felt so odd. It's kind of like we, we have literally just had our daughter feeling past, but there's this feeling of absolute love and connected with our, 
friends and our community was incredible. So open-hearted. And so open-hearted. And I thought I'd never want to forget that and just kind of, because I'm an advertising kind of creative guy, I just impromptuously with a friend said, can you design this thing for me? And I designed these stickers where they were just um, hearts with the, uh, in, in, uh, in green for being jade green and had the word stay open. And, and we just in a convertible car just drove around and just stuck these in all these different places all over LA. And it was just, to me, it was just the feeling of that time, of that moment. And I do think that sometimes the bit where it's nice to have little things that you might have. It might be a colour. It might be a phrase. It might be a thing that just remind you of a certain kind of mantra or feeling that you want to be, not forget along the way. And for me, those little things have, have helped just to kind of bring me back into balance a bit. And there's an energy with those stickers because they're about, about the size of your palm. Mm. and they're green. But did you know green, that's the heart chakra colour? No, now that you mentioned it, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And, yeah. Uh, oh, so you, you made them green because of jade. Jade. Yeah. That was just kind of that being a colour as well. Yeah, yeah. This has been the most profound, <laughs> enlightening, I would have to say out of this world or out of this body conversation I know that the tone the tempo the the delivery the words that were spoken the words that have been left unspoken but the feeling that will transmute through this podcast more than any other podcast will be felt by every single listener and I cannot thank you enough for sharing so openly so generously and for for me personally, giving me a new perspective of the miracles that unfold by choosing to upgrade your version of love consistently and to be open and stay open to new levels and the end, the end, the end more and more and more with the love. And honestly, that I feel like a different person sitting here now than the one that was sitting here before this conversation. And I know every listener will feel the same way. So I didn't have a lot to contribute because I just was absorbing every ounce of the wisdom that you were sharing with such awe. So I don't think there are words to express that level of gratitude, but all I have in words is just thank you. Thanks, Luke, and thanks, Mel, for... Absolutely. ...her incredible being, joy. Yeah, thank you. Mm. Well, the final word I'd like to say is that I kind of express this because I, I think to... I think kind of Jade for coming into our lives and to me, if giving voice to some of the lessons that we learn, I don't think that they were just for us and for other people that I kind of go, listen, all of you out there, I feel you. I know we're all going through our own kind of uh, versions of deep uncertainty and it's sometimes really challenging, but I voice back to you to, to say, you know, keep the faith, slow it down, look after yourself. Be courageous in your love. Find the people that will support you. Find community and keep going. You'll be okay. Just just go through it and you will get to a better place, I promise you. Mm. Wise words. Thanks, Luke. We are so grateful for the feedback we get about this podcast on a weekly basis. It's literally changing lives. 
If you like any of these episodes or you just love the podcast, we would love it if you could share it with your friends. Thanks for joining this podcast. Want to take the conversation further and learn more about how to live an energized and pain-free life as you age? Then jump into our website at agerebels.com.au. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Age Rebels Revolution. Thank you.